Oh, yeah. Yeah, amen. Amen. You never know. Sometimes the Lord leads us to do things. And, you know, sometimes sometimes the Lord leads us to do things and we think we know why. And then somebody else comes up and says, thank you for that. That was good. And you're like, I, I thought it was for somebody else. Or I thought that was just for me, you know. <laughs> so, all right. So, our last music class uh, here, we have... Um, we're going to deal with the last three chapters of the book, Music in the Balance. That's actually where all this is taken from. If you guys want access to that book, I've got digital copies, so uh, it's not required for the class because we presented all the main stuff here. Um, yet, I still wanted to uh, uh, give you the option. Uh, of course, you need to make sure that you finish reading the, uh, the Lord's Song. If you haven't done so, finish reading that. Um, and then uh, your final exam. I will need that before I can give you credit. Your final exam is a review of the slides. I don't need you to like tell me everything that we talked about. I just need you to tell me what you thought, what you, you know, what you thought of the class overall. Just a, a you can shoot me an email that says, Hey, I like the class. It was good. Wish you talked more about this or, you know, give me, give me something good, something bad, maybe something I can improve on something, you know, just a, it's a review, you know, just to let me know, hey, you know, this is, this would be helpful. Well, if there's nothing you can think of that's bad, then just just say that there, you know, the bad thing is that you couldn't think of anything bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, amen. Amen. Uh, the other part of that um, final exam is I need you to tell me what you thought of the book, The Lord's Song. And uh, in that, I want to know if you read it or not. And so your, your grade will be based upon whether or not you watched all the lectures and you read the book. That's, this class is it's a freebie, okay? So it's like you watch the lectures. If you missed something, go back and watch it before you do the review. Make sure you've seen them all. And then um, if you've seen them all, great. Give me a review. Tell me what you thought. Um, and then, uh, let me know what you thought about the book and that's it. That's it. I saw the classes. I read the book class over. It's a, it's an easy a is what it is. So now don't turn in a review saying I watched most of the lectures and I read most of the book, just finish it and then send it over. You know, it's, that's fine. Um, don't take months and months for that. So uh, last points here, we're looking at elements of Christ honoring music and our conclusion. Um, Psalm 119 verse 54 says, Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Uh, Psalm 28 verse number 7, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him. I am helped. And I am helped. Uh, therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song I will praise him. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If you be risen, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. Remember that our review, let's go ahead and open in prayer for a moment here. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the privilege of uh, just being able to discuss these things, these, this matter of music. Lord, we just pray, Father, that uh, 
you would lead us, guide us, Lord. Help us, Father, to to make wise decisions in this area. We pray, Lord, that you would bless the, the music ministry of your church here. Lord, may we uh, bring honor and glory to you as we uh, as we worship you in song. Lord, we pray, Father, that you'd help us to understand all the things that we've studied here and, uh, again, use them for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so remember we talked about having no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Then why study music in the life of a Christian? New life, new music, rock, right or wrong. Music makes its mark. Order in music offers uh, offers harmony in life. Um, Music builds and music destroys. Music sets the mood unto the Lord is what our music is. Uh, Instruments of praise. Last week we looked at the sound becomes a messenger. And again, this week we're looking at elements of Christ honoring music and our conclusion. So we look at the elements of Christ honoring music in Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse number 1 and verses 11 through 14 say, Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all the, oops, sorry, all the things that David his father had dedicated and the silver and the gold and all the instruments uh, put he among the treasures of the house of God. Now, before we read verses 14 through, I'm sorry, 11 through 14, where are we at? What are we talking about here? What's going on? The temple is built, the, 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 the first temple. Uh, they had the tabernacle. Now they're building the temple. And he's now in the process of getting ready to dedicate the temple. So... Uh, verse number 11, and it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place for all the priests that were present were sanctified and uh, did not then wait by course. Also, the Levites, uh, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of uh, Jedithon, uh, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east, the end of the altar, or east end of the altar, and with them an hundred and twenty trumpets. Lost my place. There we go. Uh, Verse number 13. It came to pass, uh, it came even to pass, as the trumpeters uh, and singers were as one, to make, <clears throat> excuse me, one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. In First Chronicles uh, chapter number 23 and verse number 5, it says, Moreover, 4,000 were porters, and 4,000 praised the Lord with the instruments which I made, said David, to praise therewith. Imagine that. 4,000 
That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That is a huge choir, right? Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Now, Josephus said uh, something to the tune of, uh, of, of 200,000 were singing when the, um, when, when the, at the dedication of that first temple. 200,000. Can you imagine a choir of 200,000? Uh, now, some other things about this, uh, this dedication of the temple some interesting things to consider there were uh there were sacrifices there was a hundred and twenty thousand oxen wow. y'all ever seen oxen before pretty big pretty big animals there were a hundred and twenty thousand oxen offered to the lord that day and twenty thousand sheep um well at that at that time the dedication of the temple so Pretty amazing. Imagine the beautiful sound of twenty or two hundred thousand people singing, four thousand people playing uh, various instruments, and a hundred and twenty thousand or one hundred twenty thousand, one hundred twenty trumpets. Sorry, I'm trying to multiply it for some reason. But two hundred thousand singing, one hundred twenty, uh, four thousand uh, in the orchestra. You got all these, all the, all this. I mean, imagine, you know, what what happens when you offer oxen and sheep? You get a lot of food. Yeah. Uh, well, first thing you usually think when you're offering animals is there's a lot of blood. But <clears throat> the next thing you think is these are burnt offerings. Imagine cooking up one hundred and twenty thousand oxen worth of steak. Um, I mean, we walk out here and we smell somebody's cooking cheeseburgers down the way here or steak or whatever, you know, over at this steak. It's not really steak, smokehouse, whatever. They got barbecue and they got this and that. And you might smell steak, you know, walking downtown, you smell Morton's. You're like, (laughs) right. You're like, going to go there. Glad I'm glad I'm talking while you're eating because your stomach would be over there growling. and then 20,000 sheep. So amazing. But so the smell and the sight, I mean, the smell is like a, a cook off or cookout to beat all cookouts, right? It's like an amazing cookout. And you got thousands of people there, hundreds of thousands of people there. Uh, yes. Imagine that the you you hear the trumpets play, and then you hear the other instruments play the timbrels and the and the the uh, uh, the psalteries and the and and you know various other uh, instruments, and then you you hear the choir strike up and they begin to sing praises to Jehovah, and you smell the meat cooking, beautiful sound and the cloud filling the temple and and you you see the glory of god just resting on or you 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 sense the glory of god resting on the place uh some people say whoa two hundred thousand people that must be loud music now we're going to talk about that a little bit 120 trumpets whoo must be real loud orchestra of four thousand must be real loud 
talk about that. <clears throat> How loud is loud? This is fun. Decibels, yes. These numbers over here are decibels. So uh, a 30 decibels, a faint sound like a whisper. I have amplification so you can hear me. Um, I wonder what she's calling for. Let me just, uh, yeah. You know, when your wife calls, when she knows you're teaching, there must be something going on. Sorry about that. A little scare there for a second. We're okay, though. Make my heart stop, and then it started back up. Okay, we're good. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. I have amplification, so you can hear me whispering. That's a faint sound, right? <clears throat> now, non-action scenes from most films. Sorry that this is, like, chopped off of this trim here it's almost like if, if we just would have not had the trim but there's actually a hole in the wall here so they kind of needed the trim but anyways <clears throat> um 80 to 85 decibels there not necessarily going to see this is way down here way up here okay and then we've got here at 86 this is loudest movie trailers okay now of course this is <clears throat> theater sound okay so obviously at home, you can quiet it down. We usually mute trailers <laughs> unless we're trying to figure out what, you know, if we're trying to figure out what the movie's going to be or whatever, then maybe we'll watch it. But you can turn them way up, you can turn them down, you know, it's going to be adjustable. But um, right here at 100 decibels, I'm going to look over here because I can actually read it. There is a risk of damage within two hours. Some examples of what might make a hundred decibel sound is a chainsaw. I would say a weed eater might be close to that, might be with 90s, close to 100. Uh, lawnmower, lawnmower wouldn't be quite as bad because you're, you're not down on it, but it makes noise. You ever see people with a lawnmower or a, a, a weed eater? Um, or, or a, a chainsaw with earmuffs on or earplugs, that is a wise idea. Um, it is. It's a wise idea uh, to, to wear, you know, some ear protection, right? Um, because it, it's easy to damage your hearing. Uh, we, we don't realize often that, and by the way, headphones, I didn't, I don't have my neck device I usually carry around it. It died while I was talking to Phil earlier, and so I had to charge it. But, um, <clears throat> but headphones in your ears, if I'm standing here and you're sitting there and you have headphones on and I can hear what's going on in your head there through those headphones, you're damaging your ears. If it can be heard 
five feet away, it's not good. If it can be heard 10 to 15 feet away, you're actually damaging your hearing. You're, you're, it's not good. It's not good. And, and uh, that is something that people, kids do all the time, not even realizing that they're tearing their, tearing their eardrums up. They're just, they're, they're messing up. What's that? Yep. Well, we're getting, getting there. Uh, risk of damage in one hour. Okay. So this was risk of damage within two hours. You sit and listen to your headphones for two hours at a hundred decibels. You're going to have damage to your hearing. Uh, but some people turn it up beyond a hundred decibels. We have technology now that, uh, yeah, you can really get it way up there. Um, but within one hour, uh, a jackhammer or helicopter, a lot of times the helicopter folks, they got those, you know, the, the headsets on to, to muffle the sound. Um, 105 decibels there for that. That's only five decibels more. Think about that. You go from 100 decibels that you have a risk of damage within two hours. You increase by five decibels. And now it's half the amount of time that you can withstand that sound before there's damage to your hearing. Um, then at 110, five decibels more, it cuts it in half again. Risk of damage within 30 minutes. Snowmobile from the driver's seat, right? Or you could maybe a riding lawnmower if it's, it depends on, depends on the motor to an extent. Uh, another, um, <laughs> this is a good one right here for, for the mamas, 115 decibels, uh, risk of damage within 15 minutes, a baby's cry. Babies can cry loud, man. Some of them are quiet, but man, once they get that lung development going, yep. <clears throat> you go into the room with headset on, you know, <laughs> or go in the room with earmuffs on, I'm not listening. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Hey, we have four, so I know, I know that that is true. They can definitely, definitely uh, kind of mess with your hearing. Mm -hmm. What's that? Yeah, it could. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. There have been sometimes I'm just. It, I mean, honestly, a crying baby that you can't figure out why they're crying and you can't fix you, you change the diaper, you, you, you know, you feed them, you try to feed them, you, you know, they, there's nothing wrong and they're just screaming. You're like, what do I do? What do I do? You know, you're losing your mind because you don't realize it at the moment, but that crying is actually damaging your ears. It's also usually damaging your heart. You know, you're <laughs> exactly. You hear that baby crying, and yeah, and it, it hurts the, the baby's ears, too. Fortunately, I believe God uh, uh, somewhat works the development of that after that time frame. So, um, But uh, jet skis can make some loud sounds, you know. Uh, loud motorcycles. Man, motorcycles can really do it. Um, <clears throat> so uh, 120 decibels is uh, risk of hearing damage in seven minutes. A rock concert. 
you stay longer than seven minutes. Seven minutes. That's like the first song. Now that is an average rock concert. And some are louder than 120 decibels. Also sandblasting. Anybody ever done any sandblasting? Okay. It gets loud. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't feel too good. I usually would do it inside of a case. You put your hands in the gloves inside the case and you work it all inside there, all the stand all the sand stays in there and all that. And there was always this I didn't realize, but there was like a you know, because that sand will actually blast right through those rubber gloves. And you start feeling it and you're like, What is going on? You pull your hand out and it's bleeding, you're like, Oh man, I sandblasted my hand. Um yeah, they used to sandblast engine parts and things like that. So, um, but yeah, those are loud. Those are loud, and you ought to have headphones on something to something to protect your hearing. Um, really, even even if it's short time. See, that's the thing. Like, you get the weed eater out, and you're like, ah, it's gonna be. I get this done in five minutes. It's not gonna hurt my hearing too bad, you know. And uh, I sit down now. If I stop talking right now, I hear ringing. It's not because we had any loud noises just now, but well, we'll get there. What's that? The top one is my problem as well, but 125, that, that can be too, yeah. This is the pain threshold. Air raid siren, that's not just your 11 o'clock siren. It's a, it's a louder siren. Firecrackers, you ever blow up? I, I used to play with them. I was a bad little kid. Okay, we used to do a bunch of crazy stuff. I found out that the firecrackers, the little red devil firecrackers that we had, not all, but the ones that we had, they blew up in the middle. And so I knew that there was about this much space at the end of those firecrackers that wasn't going to blow up. And I would hold it there and let it blow up right in my hand. Now, of course, I'd close my eyes and turn my head so that it's right at my ear. Boom! <laughs> See? Yep, sure would. Sure would. Praise the Lord, my hands are still intact. Uh, but that was stupid. Stupid. Um, but that can make your ears ring quite a bit. Um, of course, the my ears ring mainly because of the, the last one here. That's immediate danger to hearing gunshots. Uh, jet engine at takeoff. I don't. I don't have a lot of experience with jet engines at takeoff, but gunshots, big time. Uh, I was range control for five years in the army, and we we had a job to do, and it wasn't always, you know, oh, put your earmuffs on. But we would tell everybody else to. But the range safety officer, you come up, you know. Somebody hold their hand up. Oh, my 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 gun's not working. Well, I you know. Just go up, okay, and then you got somebody shooting right here. You got somebody shooting right here. Pop, 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 and you're just you're working the gun. Oh, fix it. Okay, there you go. Go ahead and you tap them on the shoulder. Try. Pop, pop. Okay, you're good. You know, and you got those. Yeah, you got those earplugs, but the earplugs they're those little little foam things. You roll it up and you stick it in there. While you're working on the range, especially in the summertime, the sweat in your ears, they slide out. 
And even though they're in there, they're not in there. And so it just, it, you, you hear that sound and it's just, it's blare, boom, boom, boom. And we didn't just do five, five, six. Um, that was probably one of the most common, but range control you're dealing with, you got A10 strafing rounds. That's a big stuff. They're, I mean, obviously I'm not like hanging out in the air watching it happen, but I have gone up on the tower and watched them strafe over the, the impact area. Uh, but then you got uh, you got Mark 19 uh, rocket, you know, rocket propelled grenades. Uh, well, no, not they're not rocket propelled. They're uh, it's automatic uh, automatic grenade gun. Basically, they have grenades. They're that big around, and they're they're about that long, and they're they're in these little cylinders with a you know that they they shoot out of these cylinders, and they're uh, they're on a chain. In a big box, and you got this big old contraption here with, on a tripod, and they got it's like that game at uh, at Chuck E. Cheese way back in the day. You know that it's like shooting those balls out, boom, boom, boom. That's what it's like. That's what it sounds like when you shoot it. When you shoot those off, you're not thinking about oh, I'm shooting grenades out of here because you just hear boom, boom, boom. That's what it's doing. But then when it lands. Boom, you know, but you're shooting, you know, you're, you're way out a little bit, but it still makes a big loud noise and it rumbles the ground and it, you know, and so the same, I was down there uh, working with a, a special ops unit. I just, you know, knew they were down there and I thought I'm gonna go check out and see what they're doing. So they're shooting 50 cal, 50 cal. It doesn't matter if you got ear protection on or not. These bullets are this big around the, the, the casings, this big around and that long. And you got the, you know, the, the projectile and the casing and, oh yeah, it is. Oh yeah, it is. And you don't, you don't put the 50 cal on your shoulder. It's on a tripod and it has just like your, your Mark 19, it has the thumb compressions. And so you just sit back there and you go, and you can feel the wave of that. If you're standing in, uh, you know, in line with it, you can feel the wave about 30, 30, 40 feet away. You have to change the barrel every, every so many rounds on a, it's an automatic, uh, automatic 50 cal. Um, and then <clears throat> the next thing, it doesn't matter. And this probably off this chart. Um, it doesn't matter what you have on protecting your ears. So what we would do is we would have the earplugs, so we'd have the muffs, and then we would cover our heads like this. Um, except the guy shooting it, of course. He's got he's got earmuffs, or he's got plugs and muffs, but he's holding, you know, he's holding it on there, you know, and he says. <coughs> Back blast area clear. Rocket. Push a little button, and a rocket comes out off that guy's shoulder, and heads downrange, and it is out and hitting the target like that. And those are loud. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Well, and then you have you have those. Uh, the destroyers having, having the, the, their artillery rounds, but the army also does artillery rounds. We would have, um, 
you know, you, you get everything from the size of that, that uh, grenade up to, you know, this far across where they're firing artillery all over. And there's mortar rounds, you know, little mortars that they look like little. Oh, yeah. Some big old things, man. Um, they have a not quite that big, but obviously you're not standing next to it. Now, older times they were they're loading and you know, there's some insulation there, but you're I mean, it's making a bit, pretty big kaboom. But the fact is here, these are these are sounds that mess with your hearing. And I wish I would have thought about, um, you know, the, the sounds, um, you know, uh, really wish I would have thought about the sounds earlier in life. Wish I'd have really considered um, when the long term effects when I was in the army, um, because, I, you know, I don't have, I guess, Technically, I don't have like severe hearing loss, but I do. And there's certain ranges that, and there's always ringing. There's always ringing going on because of that. Yeah. And so, but the thing is that da uh, damaged hearing limits future service for the Lord. Actually, my hearing is going to limit my ability to sing. Right. Uh, and it may limit my ability to preach someday. If I can't hear at all. then it might not be possible. Then if I might preach, but if you got something to say, you better sign it to me or something or write a, write a note on, hold it up, you know, on a, on a uh, board there. So <clears throat> um, if we have a piano tone of 50 decibels, okay, that's somewhere there in the, you know, 50 decibels on the piano might be, I, I can't give you an exact because I don't have a decibel meter. Well, I probably do on my phone, but about as hard as you can do it for the most part okay 50 decibels um, and we add another tone of the same intensity and the so the combined effect is 53 decibels thought I was gonna say a hundred no nope. combined effect of that is 53 decibels Keep this in mind because we're, we're talking about this as we're talking about all those people, all those instruments, all that sound, but there wasn't a bunch of amplification. So we're really actually in this range. All that stuff that's going on, it's all right around in this range. Not way up here. It's, it's down around in here. Now we have amplification and so I preach, and, and I'm probably preaching. When I'm preaching, uh, we don't use a lot of amplification here, just enough to where I know that it's, that it's on, really. Um, but I've been in some churches, man, they use, some, they use enough amplification that the decibels are, are in the 80s, in the 80s, 90s, whatever. We're, we're probably 70-something, I would, I would guess. For the most part, when I get to hollering and stuff, we might get into the 80s, maybe close to 100. But I can't do that for very long before my voice starts going away. It's the way it works, right? Um, <clears throat> so if we add a third tone, total intensity, anybody want to guess? 55. 
55. Thus, the addition to the total intensity decreases with the number of units combined. And in every case, the increase is small in comparison with the original intensity of one element. Let's look at a quick example here. All right, so... One sound, right? Did that get much louder? I added the same intensity of a second sound. Any louder? I'm pushing it down pretty hard. No. No. Barely noticeable. That's why, like, when you have a group of people singing, even if you have a 400-person choir. Sounds great! Because you have all the variety and the blend of the voices and all of that, but it's not necessarily a bunch louder because there's so many people. It just feels more powerful. The trumpets, on the other wow. hand, yes. But notice how many trumpets there were in comparison to everything else. Very few. 120 trumpets with 4,000 other instruments, and then 200,000 singing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, the trumpets are probably, you know, maybe up there in the, you know, 110, 115 range, depending on, you know, the trumpeter and all that. So it's, all together with 120 of them, they're probably, you know, maybe they're at 120 decibels. But they're probably also standing on a hill over there, on a hill far away. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. The acoustics, yes. So uh, most ear doctors uh, that we should... Uh, or most ear doctors say that we should not listen to anything above 90 decibels uh, on the second scale. <clears throat> uh, many rock music groups, both secular and Christian, play at the 120 to 125 decibel level. Keep in mind that the SST Concord supersonic jet hits just over 130 decibels. That's a big jet. <laughs> yes, supersonic jet. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they do. They insulate it very well. Um, but it hits 130 decibels when leaving Washington's Dooley's Airport. And by the way, that's the Concorde, I'm pretty sure, is long gone, but back when it did. Uh, that's what it did. So, uh, but the fact is, we're to be good stewards of our eardrums too. That's useful stuff. We we kind of talked about, you know, limitations of the body last night, right? <clears throat> yeah. You think we ever ought to have a full time music director here as a church? You think that's that's necessary?
probably not this size of church so far, okay? Um, but some interesting things here. First um, Chronicles 25, 7 says, So the number of them with their brethren that were instructed in the songs of the Lord, even all that were cunning, was two hundred fourscore and eight. 288 full-time musicians, okay? That's uh, 36 octaves, right? Assuming that each eight cover an octave, right? 36 octaves, or rather each seven cover an octave. Um, now, and these are the singers chief of the fathers of the Levites who remaining in the chambers were free for they were employed in that work night and day. We have a biblical example of full-time musicians. They were, it actually uses the word employed. <laughs> full-time employees, night and day. That means that they work more than 40 hours a week because they were working in the daytime and in the nighttime, right? So we'll remind our music uh, director when we when we get one. Hey, listen, you know, scripturally speaking, 1 Chronicles 9.33 says you work night and day, or rather day and night. So <laughs> um, Genesis chapter 4, uh, just some interesting things about octaves here. Uh, Genesis 4, 1 and 2 here says, uh, and uh, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of, the, of sheep, and, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Verse number 16 <clears throat> says, uh, 16 through 21, says, and Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod in the east on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived, and uh, bear Enoch, and he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad, or Irad, and Irad begat uh, Mehujael, and Mehujael begat Methuselah, or not Methuselah, Methusael, and Methusael uh, begat Lamech, and Lamech uh, took unto him two wives, the name of the one was Ada, and the name of the other was Zillah, and Ada bare uh, Jubal, and uh, he was the father. <coughs> excuse me, he was the father of such as dwell in tents, uh, and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal. You have Jabal and Jubal. Uh, he was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. Interesting. Eight generations, right? Eighth octave. Here we have his first mention of music in the Bible, right? He was the father of all such as handled the harp and organ. Isn't that interesting? The first mention of music is the eighth generation. That's pretty neat. 
pretty neat. All right, so <clears throat> first element, unity is vital in our music. Okay, obviously with all those people <laughs> needed to be together, right? Uh, the verse says, and it came to pass as the trumpeters uh, and singers, you know, and so on and so on and so on. It says that they were as one to make one sound right there in Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse number 13. So what does that mean practically? We're going to look at some samples here. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, we're going to, hold on a minute here. There you go. We'll take that away for now. We'll have, we'll have the, uh, it, here's what it, okay, it's got stuff to say. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute though. All right, so <clears throat> let's see here. Please identify this melody if you can. sweet world abide with me um, let's read this quote here real quick first before we play again um, now apart from the primitive deriving rhythm uh, that lifts the fur on your spine <clears throat> and starts your feet tapping in spite of yourself uh, what is the outstanding feature of any hot band the answer is improvisation spur of the moment faking on the written melody and rhythm okay that sample had some improv in it here is without Much more pleasant, wasn't it? So, at first, the melody was concealed by the ex excessive improvisation so that it was virtually unrecognizable. Improvisation uh, to this extreme at the expense of melody is inappropriate for sacred music. 
<clears throat> now, some may respond, but the church pianist improvises in an evangelistic hymn-playing style when accompanying, accompanying the congregation, yes, but a good accompanist, or accompanist, yes, accompanist, uh, will never hide the melody to the point where it can't be detected. I'm going to play that first one again so that you can catch it, but so that you can see what was happening there. And I, I've got the volume turned up a little bit more now, but um, but for a congregation to sing heartily and enjoy singing unto the Lord together, the melody needs to be prominent because it is what most of the congregation sings. Excessive improvisation destroys singing unity. This whole exercise, as we see, right, it's it helps us to to see this this fact, right? So, um, do you guys ever notice me improvise when we're singing on the guitar? You ever notice me improvise on the guitar? Maybe sometimes. Does it take away from the melody? No, because I'm belting it out with my face. <laughs> I'm putting it out, you know, with my mouth. I'm singing out the melody so that you get it, right? Um, so. Let's listen to that first sample again. Can't really tell what's going on. Takes it over. That's right. in your hymnal if it's the same song I... we've we don't we haven't sung it here much but But the first one and the second one seem like they're two totally different things. But it's the same. There's just improv. Right? Yep. Yep. All right, so here's a, another sample here. Hallelujah. 
So, uh, by the way, there, there is a place for, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but where you have a soloist singing something while there's a backup or a, a slightly different, but it, they go together, right? It's like some of our songs that we sing, right? Like, uh, uh, what's, what's one that we sang last night, actually, uh, where it had two different things in the chorus, right? You have the melody sings one part, and then you have a repeat or something. And then, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he's usually working on it. I appreciate that. I like doing that, too. And I like hearing people do that. Um, trying to see here. Should have brought my guitar. Anyways, um, it wasn't 175. I don't think it was 207. Only a center? It wasn't, it wasn't only a center. Maybe it wasn't last night that we did that. No. No, it wasn't either of those. It might have been. Maybe it was one soon. I don't think it was, though. No, it, it had to have been Sunday night that we did that. So, anyways. There is a place for that where some where sometimes you have, you know, some variety. Right, yeah. Exactly. So we might want to just cleanse the airwaves here to hear the without getting all messed up. one too um so 200 and 420 musicians sounding as one that is no small miracle 
Yes, it is. Uh, I remember um, when we used to, when I was the choir director at McGregor Road, I loved doing choir, man. I wish we could do that again sometime. I wish we could. I can't wait till we're doing it here. I didn't so much love being in the choir as much as I loved doing the choir directing because what I really liked was being able to take people who did not even know a song and each of all four parts know their part. Sometimes it would take two to three months to teach them a song, one hour a week for two to three months and we would not sing it until I knew each part was ready. Now, not everyone in each part was ready, but when I heard it, for the most part, the sopranos hit their notes, the altos hit their notes, the tenors hit their notes, and the basses hit their notes. Actually, we had this, all the ladies on the front, so we had the sopranos, the altos, the basses, and the tenors, and they would they all were hitting their notes and then we would sing it together and if it didn't sound like it blended right we would continue to practice i'd go back i said wait a minute hold on we got an issue here it's always it's always alto or tenor so we got a little issue here in the alto and tenor i said pianist plunk the part for the altos and so they plunk it out and i say okay we're going to sing it staccato staccato is where you just you just hit the note basically so like that song for the lord God omnipotent reigneth. So you're not holding it or whatever, because what happens is when you're holding it, you're able to adjust to get your note in the right place. But when you staccato it, it's just you stick it or you miss it. And that's to know whether they've got it in their muscle memory to bring it out or not. And if they don't, I say, okay, we're missing it here. Let's just do this little section here. Okay. These three notes, boom, boom, boom. And I would do it. I'd say, okay, again, doom, 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 again, doom, 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 again, doom, doom. And we just do it until like everybody's like, we all know the alto part now, you know. <laughs> and sometimes that's frustrating for like the thing is when people don't really understand the whole deal there, sometimes they'll be like, well, can't you just like have the altos have their practice or the tenors have their practice? have the bass, have their practice, and then we all come together? No, we can't. If you need to, whatever, I, I'm, what I would try to do is I'd say, look, you know, let's keep conversation to a minimum because a lot of times, you know, you get folks talking and stuff, and then it's like, okay, listen, you need to be quiet so they can focus on their notes. And then, you know, or you'd get them sitting there playing a game on their phone. That's what it ended up being eventually because they're like, well, I'm just going to sit here while they do their part and then, but when it comes around to me, I'll be ready. But I had to always remind them, hey, 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 come on. It's your turn. Get up. Let's go. You know, because they would stand and they would practice. Everybody else would sit down. Tenors would stand. Okay, tenors, ready? You know, okay, basses, ready? Oh, holy, holy, holy. I'm messing it all up anyways. Get your part right. Let's do it. Let's let's get this part right, right? And and so they would get each, each of them would get their part right. And we had a choir of, let's see. About 
15. About 15. And it would take months sometimes. And there would sometimes be a time where we would get a month into a song and I'd say, we're scrapping it. We're going to pick it. I've, I've got this other song. Here's what we're going to do. Let's do this one. And we'd scrap the song and move on. I don't think they have a choir there officially now because they don't have a drill sergeant to run the choir. It is not easy to put together the parts perfectly when you're trying to get lots of people to hit their notes right. Now, a quartet, see, they think that's fun, right? A trio, a quartet, a duet. They can do some practicing and like, you know, like my wife and I, oftentimes I'll find a key. We'll start singing a song. She can harmonize immediately. And she's great about that. And it, and it just, it'll, it'll work. But we've got to practice more than two or three times. Sometimes we got to, okay, we need to make sure we know the song. There's some songs that we're very familiar with and we can just go do it. Uh, other songs we've got to practice and we've got to find the key that works for both of us because sometimes I can, I'm like, I can belt it out with this certain key, but then she can't harmonize to that key. So we have to adjust. And, and so sounding as one now, of course, harmony makes a difference, right? You're obviously you're, you're sounding as one blended voice, right? It, and that's, it, it's an amazing thing to hear a large choir. I, I really actually would like to do, I wish we would have done it this year. I wanted to send, I really wanted to send Brother James uh, and maybe some other folks to the, the Majesty Music Music College. They have a, I believe it's a two-day music college. Yeah, it's just a two-day, they call it the music college. And it's, I used to go every other year. I would go because they'd have it in Indiana every, every, every other year. And so you go and you sit through classes and they teach you this and that, but everybody that's there in the music college makes up the choir. And so you have your opening and they introduce some of the songs, new songs you've never heard before. And you're going to sing that they're going to have. So it's, I think it's Thursday and Friday and then Friday night, they have an evangelist preach and they have the choir. It's a 400 plus person choir and you got 400 people singing these songs. And so there were uh, <clears throat> neat songs that I love that I'm like, this is great. I'm, you know, we got, I got to teach this in our church. And then it's like my, the piano player is like, I don't even know what's going on here in this arrangement. You know, it's just, you know, majesty does a really good job, but you got to have a really good piano player to, to, get it you know um anyway so um you have this huge choir but during those two days you probably spend six hours six to eight hours learning the notes learning your part and all that and so it's 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 an amazing thing but during those two days you also it's not the two days isn't just for you to learn your parts for the choir the two days are and it's like all day Thursday, and then most of the day Friday, and then it's the concert Friday night. Well, all day Thursday, there are classes and shops and, you know, workshops and this and that. So if you're a piano player, there's workshops for piano players, and they teach you different things about 
playing pianos. If you're a sound room guy, there's workshop for sound room guys and they show you, okay, uh, you know, you try this and you can work this and the, you know, some of the basics on that. If you're a choir director, they have workshops for choir directors. They tell you how to lead a choir and everybody that's in the class is the choir and, and they talk about conducting and all these different things and uh, how to lead congregationals. And they do, I, I mean, I didn't go to Bible college to learn music. I learned it at the music college, most of it. I mean, I, I went for like 13 years every year. Well, every other year anyways. Uh, and then on the off years, I'd practice the things that I'd learned. In fact, I, I don't remember. I think I did take song leading class in, in Bible college, but I was already song leading before I took song leading class uh, because I went to the music college. I learned it and then I just practiced. I practiced for hours and hours and hours how to song lead. So when you see me up here waving my hands around, that's years of try of working trial and error, learning, having people pick on me for doing it wrong. I mean, years, I'm not up here swatting flies. I mean, you're, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm doing it right, you know, and I enjoy doing that. I really do enjoy doing that. I would much rather actually lead the music than play. I love playing the guitar though. I've, I've learned to love that, but I, I love to lead the music. And uh, so, yeah, anyways, I'd love to have a really good piano player that, that can follow lead. And um, if I, if I'd like throw my wife into it and just, just, this is going to be your life for a couple of years. She would be a wonderful piano player. Um, and she's okay. Um, she's just a little timid when it comes to playing while we all sing. But what I really need to do is I need to like include her in on some here and there and say, hey, you're gonna, we're gonna have you play for this one and we're all gonna sing it. And then I'll practice with her and stuff. I think, I think that would be helpful for her. But anyways, the way I got uh, Pastor Kaiser's wife, Dana, uh, I, I actually incognito helped her to be able to just grab any hymn in the hymnal. Uh, well, not any, but just any of them that she would that she would know that's in the keys that she can play in. I highlighted, I had, a, I have a, the hymnal that the song leader still uses at McGregor road has every hymn, the number of the hymn highlighted. If she knows it, if she knew it then. So I could literally, so what we did was youth night every single Monday night for four years, every Monday night, during the school year for four years, I would say, okay, kids, we're going to sing, you know, I would let them pick songs and I'd say, well, we don't know that one. Pick a different one. And then we pick a different one. And, okay. We know that one. Let's do it. And she'd be like, yeah, I'd say, try it. Come on. It's just the kids. And it, it would be uh, the teen class. The teens would, and uh, we would sing it, you know? And uh, <clears throat> there were some times where I was like, all right, you know what? We're just going to start at the beginning. We're going to sing every song she knows as many as we can until we're done with this time. We had half an hour. Sometimes we would sing 12 songs in half an hour and I'd get practice leading and she'd get practice playing. And then, you know, we would, we would do that. It was a fun time. I loved it. It was great. Uh, but it helped her to be able to play things more, uh, not, not saying improv in the bad way, but, 
in a good way, being able to just grab it and go. Um, but it takes practice. That's what we're really getting at is an important lesson for a family of believers. The Lord deserves the believer's very best. Now, I say this, and we're going to really rant on practice for a minute. And I said I wanted to be done by nine. I'm sorry. We're really going to rant on practice for a minute, but I want to say this before we do. There's a point at which practice takes away the heart. Okay? If you can't be touched by the song that you're singing because you've practiced it so much that it no longer means anything to you, something's not right. You've got to be able to sing it and let it touch you, let it mean something to you, you know. Uh, you have to really mean it. You're not just repeating what you've practiced just because I've got it perfect now and boom, there you go. That's the risk here when you really emphasize practice and you really emphasize, emphasize perfection and all that. Then people are like, oh, they must not practice but I would rather somebody have their heart in it and do their best and maybe mess up than practice so much that it doesn't mean anything to them anymore. There's a balance there. You should practice, yes. Lots of verses here. Lots of verses. Here we have Shenaniah was skillful, right? David played, uh, he was a cunning player who could play well. The Levites with temple oversight, <clears throat> displayed instrumental skill. Uh, we see mentions, uh, uh, this being, or mentioning musicians with pleasant voice who play well with an instrument. Why? Because of practice. Because of practice. Because of practice. <laughs> By the way, I know that music isn't, doesn't come first nature to everybody or sometimes even second nature to everybody. Um, but I also know that I had some people in my choir that were what many would call tone deaf. But after a few years of learning to duplicate a sound that they could hear, just practicing duplicating the sound, you hit a note, duplicate that note sing that note and we would do voice exercises like we'd say oi oi or io 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 right it's off to work i go no right we would say we would we would start on a we would do octave octave uh exercises we'd say Sing a vowel. Buy a couple vowels and sing them, right? Like E-U, right? E-U. E See, I had to find it there. Yeah. 
<laughs> you got the dogs howling in the streets and everything. <laughs> Blended sound, not meaning that you're throwing cats in a blender. No. Um, <clears throat> um, quality is an appropriate and important consideration in music ministry. Um, again, practice, uh, as it's going to say here, diligent practice and adequate preparation are crucial. When it came to song leading, my pastor told me, you're going to start out by leading the music on Sunday nights. He said, start practicing. Let me teach you a few things. And here's a little booklet on it. And so I started doing that. You know what I would do? I would get to school early. And before anybody got there, I would march around just, just like this. My heel would be the note or be the beat. Right? And I would play music on my Walkman. I would play hymns that I knew were, you know, and I had a hymnal with me and I would hit those notes. I would make sure and I would just do like this each note, listening to it. Then eventually I got even bolder and I would sing it. <coughs> And I would be in I would be in the lobby there. Nobody around. You know, the space between the doors are like you got this door and then this door, and then you're in the building. I'd be in this area here. Nobody's around. I'm just pacing back and forth, singing my songs. And then I'd start leading it. And I would, you know, learn to learn to add the other hand when needed, you know, and so you but every single morning it was my ninth grade year i think or no 10th 11th grade year every morning and then <clears throat> started leading on sunday nights and then next thing you know i'm leading all the time and it's a blessing <clears throat> but diligent practice and adequate preparation are crucial you find a time find time to to practice those things i even say for congregationals take time to practice Listen to godly hymns, hymns that are in our hymnal. Find them somewhere sung the way we sing them. Practice. Sing along. Uh, if you have to steal a hymnal, make sure you bring it back. But take it home with you and sing the songs. Sing them with your dogs. Sing with your kids. You got a family? That's a great thing to add to family devotions. Great thing to add to family devotions. Sing together. Say, okay, we're going to sing this song. Let's sing it. And you all sing, right? David, the model of the Old Testament. <clears throat> what did he say? He said, neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. You willing to pay the price? Consider for music ministry, or consideration for music ministry participants. The Lord deserves the believer's best, right? If it does not cost, it's not a sacrifice, right? <clears throat> There's some gibberish on the wall there. 
<clears throat> that's the first letter of each word of that verse. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. If not well prepared, it will not magnify. If done poorly, it will trivialize. Right? Now again, there's a balance there. There's also a balance in criticism. Because we don't want to like critique and criticize everything and say, oh, they should have practiced more. I don't want to breed that kind of spirit here. Again, it's not necessarily about that as much as it's about we're trying to give the Lord our best. Uh, and our, you know, your best is, is your best. Your best isn't somebody else's best. The music in the worship services must contribute to and reinforce the message rather than detract from and compromise the message. And I would further add, compete with the message. <clears throat> How can we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? This, that's a scriptural question. Um, it's, uh, what do you say, Psalm what? 37, maybe. Um, it's not a quote, it's a paraphrase. Um, in music and ministry, he says, music that reflects cheapness, superficiality, banality, shoddiness, is to contradict in our art the truth, honesty, and integrity of the gospel itself. The scripture give guidance regarding such a claim? Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. How? <clears throat> Anybody know what this verse says? Yep, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace, yeah, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. There you go. Amen. By the way, a lot of these that are that way were memory verses throughout. So I didn't emphasize that too much, but how does the peace of God rule in our hearts? It does uh, through the word of God and music, right? <clears throat> As the verse says, application rules a ruling rather involves truth. Music influences the heart when the music in its character negates, minimizes, or disparages truth, the heart gropes for peace and stability. It's a, a contradiction, right? <clears throat> First element, unity. Music unifies, right? Um, remember that uh, though it is the first element, it's not the main goal of the music, although it is a very necessary ingredient, okay? It's not just, music is not just to unify us. It is a necessary ingredient, but it's not the primary, most important thing, as we've discussed that throughout the lesson, or throughout the, the uh, study here. 
music brings about similar physical responses in different people at the same time. It is able to draw groups together and create a sense of unity. By the way, that's why the devil uses it. But we can use it scripturally for the right things. Likewise, because it, it does unify. Music has the effect of intensifying or underlining the emotion which a particular event calls forth by simultaneously coordinating the emotions of a group of people. By the way, that's why certain music's used for certain things people are trying to accomplish. Yeah. Yep, for the wrong things as well. Uh, the world's music unifies those who embrace the world's philosophy. Christian music also brings believers together. <clears throat> and when I, I will qualify the word Christian music, godly Christian music. Uh, is there another medium with this kind of impact and power? No, there's not. There's not. Sounds of Social Change says, Social movements have historically used song to put forth their belief systems and to gain internal unity. <clears throat> Sorry, is it too cold in here? We'll bring that, bring that temperature up a little. <clears throat> that's a good problem, right? Um, I had an example here that's not... Uh, not not recent, but one Monday night um, on the bus route at McGregor Road, a girl asked if she could sing uh, the Acton Elementary theme song. And when asked why, her reasoning for doing so is that everyone, of course, we we're picking up kids in Acton, everyone knows it and it makes them all like their school. Hmm. Social movements have historically used song to put forth their belief systems and to gain internal unity. That's why you have school songs, right? Why we have national anthems, yes. <clears throat> the language of music says a word awakens both an emotional response and a compre uh, comprehension of its meaning, whereas a note having no meaning, awakens only an emotional response. Um, so what to celebrate the, 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 what to celebrate the resurrection um, instead of singing and playing, we simply recite what? Up from the grave he arose. Right? You guys remember that, right? No pianos, no organ, brass, choir, no congregational voices singing together. What if we just did this? What if we just said, just decided to change things a bit on, on Resurrection Sunday? We're not going to sing. We're just all going to stand up. And we're going to say, up from the grave heroes. We'll just read the words of the song, right? Let's have someone simply speak the words of that song, perhaps at the pulpit with great expression even. 
It might excite you, but it doesn't necessarily unify you, right? We say, lo, in the grave he lay. Jesus, my Savior, waiting the coming day. Jesus, my Lord. Death cannot keep his prey. Jesus, my Savior. He tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. And then the chorus, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Sounds like a great message, but it doesn't necessarily do the same thing that singing it together does. Right? What would we lose by doing that, though? What's missing? Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't deal with the emotion quite the same way. Someone has well said, music does things for us and to us. By eliminating music's role in that way, we have relinquished a major portion of the joy. Music contributes to it. Music embellishes it. What happened on that day, all of the sudden, is no longer quite as memorable, nor as powerful or as lucid in our minds because the music, right? You want to memorize things real well? Sing. Sing them. That's how you remember things. Words give us the facts. Music, music's grandeur and authority amplifies the power and the significance of those facts. And in it, and uh, in an almost inexplicable way, or unexplainable way, music weighs in on their potency, significance, and authenticity. The list of changes is virtually endless. And his observations here are very valid. <clears throat> More music uh, unity examples in Scripture, and, and we're, uh, we're over halfway done. So I, I'm going to try to keep on pushing along here. So thy watchman shall lift up. I'm, I'm just reading the, the verses that are listed there. Thy watchman shall lift up the voice with the voice. Uh, together shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Break forth into joy. Sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord hath comforted his people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. Therefore, they shall come and sing in the height of Zion and shall flow together to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and for wine and for oil and for the young of the flock and of the herd. And their souls shall be as a watered garden and they shall not sorrow any more at all. <clears throat> we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor uh, for his good to edification. For even... As or For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. <clears throat> now the God of 
patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to <coughs> Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and with one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, <coughs> receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. It is written for this cause, I will confess thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. Amen. And I had a song that I was going to play, but I didn't put the link. There's a little file here. Maybe it'll play it, but I don't think it will. not gonna play it um that's okay it, it wasn't a real vital thing it was just an added thing that i had before but for some reason my files unlinked when i when i uh moved the files around so the congregation which sings together with the heart and mind prepared for the message together will be unified to reach the unsaved together second element point two <laughs> don't worry don't worry. Um, praise and thankfulness. By the way, these are not in order of, of importance. Okay? Just understand that. So, praise and thankfulness. <clears throat> in praising and thanking the Lord, and when they had lifted up their, trump, or their voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord. This is... Again, referring back to our, our text there with the, uh, um, yeah, the temple dedication. Um, many references could be cited. And I will, I will read you the list of references. And if you want to watch it later and pause and look them up, you can. Uh, Psalm 7, 17. Psalm 47, 6 and 7. Uh, Psalm 18, 49. Psalm 68, 4 and 32. Judges 5, 2. Hebrews 2, 12. Psalm 21, All right, there we are. Okay. I don't know how much was caught and how much was missed there. I'll go back to, uh, so we had Psalm 7, 17, Psalm 47, 6 and 7, Psalm 18, 49, um, Psalm 68, 4 and 32, Judges 5, 2, Hebrews 2, 12, Psalm uh, 21, 13, <coughs> Ezra 3, 10, Jeremiah 20, 13, uh, Psalm 69, Verse 30, 2 Chronicles 7, 6, Psalm 27, verse 6, and 2 Chronicles 30, verse 21. And if you didn't hear me say any of that, it's been up there long enough to read it. Amen. <clears throat> Our sacrifice is God's pleasure. By Him, therefore, this is Hebrews 13, 15, and 16. 
By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. First element, unity. See, that was quick, wasn't it? Second element, praise and thankfulness. Third element, power. Now, this is pointing out the elements of music uh, and, and song and so forth um, in our text, right? So, <clears throat> back to our text. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Could you imagine if someday we showed up for church and God showed up so much that we could hardly even do anything. Pretty amazing, huh? Not saying that this is exactly what happens or anything like that, but uh, <clears throat> when there is good godly music with unity and praise, with thankfulness, there is power. Here's a fitting example which exhibits the three elements of Christ honoring to it all right now i'm sorry clouds a sign of god's presence and power remember right the this happens right um <clears throat> why don't you try to list for me some instances where god shows his presence in the form of a cloud There's your Old Testament stuff for the most part that you that you mentioned. What else? Cloud. That's exactly right. <laughs> the cloud received him out of their sight. And in the future. That's exactly right. Look at this. He will come back in the clouds with great power, with power and great glory. Right at the temple. Oh, there's another one. Um, the Mount of Trans Transfiguration. 
at the temple dedication in Second Chronicles, God responded to his people's music of unity, praise, and thanksgiving in such a way that additional words by the priest were unnecessary. Right there in the book of Acts. Um, <clears throat> think about that. You have your song service. And you know what? Some people really criticize that that sometimes there was a, uh, the, or at, at one point at the, the Burlington Revival, and I'm not saying everything they did was right. Not at all. Um, but I heard people criticize about that one night that, they did the song service and people started coming to the altar to get saved. God showed up. Yes. Preaching is important. Absolutely. Preaching is important, but you know what? If we're singing and people are, are convicted, they're going to get something right. If God's going to show up before, before a preacher gets up to preach, you know, we found that, that when they were dedicating the temple, the priests did not get up and read from the scripture because God showed up. Right? So when God shows up, we just shut our mouths and listen to what he has. Right? And, and deal with, you know, we, we, sometimes we just need to bow before him in silence. Get our hearts right if they need to be gotten right. Right? Um, <clears throat> that kind of music is needed today. Right? That kind of result is needed today. It will not be achieved by turning up the volume. Can't just do it from the sound room. Neither will it be accomplished by bouncing and gyrating to a sensual beat. Nor will the powerful presence of the Lord become a reality by our crooning, syrupy, simple, trite, shallow, and meaningless lyrics. conclusion those who believe that the Lord is honored and magnified by these methods and and uh, are deceived by their infatuation with the world's sounds and deluded by their emotions now we're talking about by the methods that the world methods that that a large portion of Christianity today uses. They say, oh, this is what works, right? Like the, these, these, the methods that I was mentioning toward the end there. The <clears throat> <clears throat> Lots of passages here. Faithfulness with prayer. You see them listed there. I encourage you to read them. Uh, we're not going to read all of them uh, in this setting right now, but uh, but you're going to find that there's faithfulness with prayer is going to bring about praise and song. It's going to bring about victory, right? We have all of these examples of, of uh, getting ready to go into battle. We, we have the, the Israelites preparing themselves and they're praying, uh, faithfully praying. And then we see, um, we see examples of, uh, of, of uh, yeah, lots of examples. We see, and then we see, we see singing and praising God and all of those things, just beautiful examples there. Um, and, and, uh, if we had the time, we would go to all of these passages. I have, I have these all typed out as well as, 
Um, let's see here. I have uh, Acts 16, 25 there through 30. Uh, you remember what happened there, right? Acts 16, 25 through 30. Um, Psalm, I didn't put the address there. <clears throat> Deliver me from, a, from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. And, and it goes on, that's uh, verse 14 through 19, and I didn't write the chapter or the, the chapter there. Um, but remember Joshua 6, the battle of Jericho, shouting and trumpets playing, right? Leading to victory. Sorry, I didn't hit the button for victory there. There you go. Uh, these are the other passages. There you go. So you can pause it at home and read through those, um, the examples there. So <clears throat> King Jehoshaphat, we just mentioned, uh, well, we didn't mention him, but one of the passages that were listed there mentioned him, um, right? He consulted with the people and appointed, what, singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness. There's a lot to be said about that, to praise the beauty of holiness. Wow. David also appointed brethren to be singers with instruments of music. The kings became involved. Why? To praise the beauty of holiness, right? <clears throat> Not the beauty of worldliness. Beauty of holiness. Practical music ministry participation. There's six slides left. Guidelines. Vocal, vocal soloists, vocal groups, instrumentalists, choir members need to be saved. Need to have a good testimony. Need to be church members, faithful attenders. Why would we? Why would we say all that? Yes, it means they're serious. It also means that somebody doesn't just show up and sing. Now, yes, we sometimes will have you know guests from other churches that we know that we may have help you know or, or you know be a blessing to us. We may have a missionary, whatever. Sometimes that happens, but in general, this is our standard here and part of the reason is if you only show up the day that you're doing a special what's it say to the church about what you think is important if you only show up when there's something for you to do it makes them think it makes people think that this isn't about you serving god it's about you fulfilling a, an obligation that you had or you wanting to be in the limelight it's it doesn't look good to other people if you're only faithful because you have a position or because you have a responsibility that's why we look for people who are faithful first what's that right there are some, some, you know, extenuating circumstances from time to time. But in general, you know, it shouldn't be. See, this is the easy thing when you have a job. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> well, see, here's the other reason that I've always found it easy to tell my boss I'm going to be in church every time the doors open. I was a song leader. So I said, 
I'm the music director at church. If I'm not there, the music isn't happening. I'm the guy, and it would still happen, but I'm the guy the church is counting on to lead them in, in, in the songs, in, in, the, in the music ministry. And so I have to be there for every service. That's easy to say to a boss, and it makes it a whole lot easier to be there. Now, there was a time when I wasn't, when I didn't have a position, and I said, church is very important to me, and I have a very important responsibility at church. And so I can't miss church services. Is that true? Even if I didn't have a position or a specific role in the limelight, was it? Very true. Every member has a very important responsibility. That is to encourage all the other members. Musicians empowered by God. Actually, I, I misnumbered that. It's actually four slides I left. So, uh, what should a minister of music look like? Have frosted hair and uh, look like a young fellow right now. No. You should look chosen, right? You can look these passages up here and see. Should be well organized, should be trained, should be consecrated. All of these passages are referring to music ministers or someone who's ministering in music, not necessarily like a director, but someone who's ministering music um, should be diligent, trustworthy, obedient, and mature. <clears throat> right now, is it okay to have kids sing once in a while that don't fit this? Yeah, I think so. It is. It is. In fact, I really look forward to that. Um, I want to get the Adams kids and my kids singing together. Uh, your kids are going to get old enough to sing here pretty soon, I'm sure. Uh, my kids were always bashful. It's really hard. You, you just, you know, what what would be great? I'd love to be. I, she'll be, man, she'll be singing before she's talking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. So I really look forward to maybe having a little children's choir. Now, the standards of people perform or being involved in music, you know, obviously we may have some kids that aren't saved yet, you know, but they're church kids, you know. What's that? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah. We got lots of kids coming up through the. The ages there, we just we just need to latch on and train them well, right? I was just talking to somebody today about, uh, you know, needs in the ministry. There's needs in the ministry. In fact, a uh, specific example, not particularly related, but we'll, we'll get on with this, but um, the, uh, the need for having an attorney that believes what we believe about separation of church and state. Somebody needs to get their law license. Right. <clears throat> you know, and so there, there's uh, Gerald Finney. He was the guy I was talking to today, but he's in Texas. We need somebody in Indiana. And that's what he and I were talking about. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that's the thing. There needs to be somebody in every state that believes what we believe about those things. And that's and how do we do that? We raise them up. We get them trained. You know, I could go back to school. I could get my pre-law stuff. And then I could go get, you know, I, I wouldn't have to start all over because I got a lot of stuff already. But it would be better. 
It would be better because the pastor doesn't need to start another business and start a law practice, right? <sighs> right? It needs to be a calling that somebody responds to. But anyway, sacred music as ministry or entertainment. Mm. Ministry results in God being exalted while entertainment succeeds in bringing attention to the musician. But we have to be careful. Sometimes we're too good, right? I can't really claim that. <laughs> but some people can, you know, they're, they're really good. Really good. Uh, my wife's really good. Really good at singing. She is. I got to get her to do it more often. Um, she's not watching, so she, I can say that. But um, but uh, she she complains to me sometimes. She's like, I want to sing more. Let's do it. <laughs> um, in ministry, the musician and listener are, mo are are moved by the music, the godly character it reflects and the clear message of the lyrics. <clears throat> so again, in entertainment, the musician and his audience are moved by the performer's ability to communicate, influence, control, and inspire. In ministry, attention is drawn by the vehicle right, of music to, uh, to the subject of the music, right? They're drawn by that vehicle to the subject of the music, who is the Lord, right? In entertainment, the vehicle causes the focus to be on itself. Conclusion. The ending could well have been the beginning, right? Consider the approach. What's wrong with it? Well, that's actually the wrong question. When you ask the wrong questions, you get the wrong answers. You ask the right questions or the rights, you get the right answers. We shouldn't be asking. See, people should not be asking what's wrong with this music. That's the problem. When somebody says, when I say, that's not good music. I pointed out to somebody one time. Uh, actually in class. Remember, I think it was last week. I said, that's not good music. Or I mentioned it to that person earlier in the week. That's not good music. Oh, it's a wonderful song. What's wrong with it? No, that's the wrong question. That's the wrong question. You don't ask what's wrong with it. You ask what's right about it. What's right about it? Why do we say that? Why do we say that? No, this is the last class. What's right about it? Why do we say that? Does the Bible tell us <clears throat> to find out what's wrong? Does the Bible teach us to find out what's wrong with something that we want to do or we want to partake in? No. The Bible doesn't say proving what is wrong. It says proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. We prove what's right. And so the conclusion would be that everything's wrong until we've proven it right. And so the question really should be when they say, well, what's wrong with my music? The question should be, have you proven it to be right yet? 
Have you proven it to be acceptable unto the Lord? You may like it, but does God? And have you proven that? Now the challenge is the burden of proof is no longer laid on God's people. It's laid on, it's no longer laid on God to say, prove to me, prove to me in the Bible why I can't do that. No, 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 no. Um, I think the Bible teaches us that you need to prove to me in the Bible why you can do that. We're supposed to be proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, not proving that we can do anything we want. <clears throat> the burden of proof then is not proving what's wrong. Anyone who says that it is right has the burden to prove what is acceptable unto the Lord. And our last slide with final thought here. What's that? Yep. Right. <clears throat> but oftentimes it's like this. They're playing it like it's right. And I say, hey, turn that off. Well, what's wrong with it? Well, why don't you tell me what's right with it? Oh, it's Christian. Prove it. We got how many hours now? Giving them God's side of the story? We shouldn't have to do all this. Should, we shouldn't have to have a biblical philosophy of music class. Our world's backwards. They lay the burden of proof at our feet, and we, and we say, okay, let me show you. Watch this series of sermons here. You got, what, 11, 12 of them, something like that. Watch all these, and then you'll know. Or we could just start all the way back at the beginning and say, wait a minute, let's just, let's just do this. I say your music is ungodly. And the Bible says that we're to be proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. So, you need to show me what God thinks is acceptable in that area. So you put together the next one. <laughs> right? Bring me a rebuttal, if you will. <laughs> but the burden of proof lays on the one who wants the liberty to do something that they think is okay, and they want us to prove them wrong. The burden of proof is not on us, it's on them. They're to prove what's acceptable. We're not responsible for proving what's wrong. Plenty of things that are wrong. In fact, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Right. So we just start out with easy enough. Everything's wrong until we prove it right. Right. Everything's wrong until we prove it right. There's some obvious things in the word of God that are right. <laughs> so those are the easy things we get. We're done. OK. Yep. Preach the gospel. OK. You know, do these things. But when there's a question, the burden of proof is not on the one who says it's wrong. Burden of proof is on the one who says it's not wrong because they need to prove that it's acceptable unto the Lord.
Remember Colossians 3. <clears throat> There's your letters. Anybody know how it goes? I give you the first word, if. If ye then be risen with Christ, what are we going to do? We're going to seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Verse number two, set your affection on things above. Not on things on the earth. All the way back to the beginning, we make decisions, and then decisions make us. <clears throat> but bring me now a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And the power. Amen. This is the end. Amen. Any questions? No. <laughs> Time to go home now. That's true. Homiletics is over last week. Oh, I guess I probably ought to stop the recording, huh? No questions, comments, ideas, arguments? No, I've got an argument. <laughs> Time and extrovert, so sitting through something a long time and listening to parts of me. Yeah. <laughs> I made it. Amen. <laughs> you can't remember any church now.